Welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. Hey, everyone. So I have a thing with this podcast where I only like to do interviews in person because I think it makes such a difference. I feel like you as the listener can tell, you can feel the connection that two humans have when they are sitting next to each other or over a table having a conversation. I am making an exception for this episode because you know what? It goes with the theme of the episode. The people I'm going to introduce you to travel the world constantly, all the time. They are flittering around the globe for their job. Yes, this is for their career, and we're going to get into that, the pros and the cons of that. But I thought it only made sense that my conversations with them were from afar across the internet, because that is how they live their lives. Plus, I'm lucky enough to call these people friends, and I think that's a big difference. So it's not just an interview with a stranger, because in that case, I think the importance of being face-to-face is all the more necessary. I first had the idea to do this episode, and I wanted to call it The Art of Travel, because in this episode, I'm going to introduce you to some rock star individuals who've made their careers traveling the world, essentially. But after listening back to the conversations, I saw that the theme was really circling around storytelling. So rather than travel for travel's sake, it's travel to share stories. So I'm really excited to introduce you guys to today's guests. I have been dying to bring them on the podcast. Rachel Rudwall is an Emmy-nominated host, producer, camera person, speaker, writer, and photographer. She has traveled all seven continents, she's lived in three countries, and she's been to nearly 70 nations. On Instagram, she's at Rachel Romes. Go and check her out. My theory is, if you go on gut and back it up with logic, it's a pretty good recipe. (laughs) Colette and Scott Stoller are a husband and wife team who left their corporate desk jobs in 2015 to travel the world as full-time storytellers. One look at their Instagram, at Romaru, and you'll see that they go everywhere. We'll talk with them about how they made their huge career shift. There's never a great time to take a risk like this. Um, the, you know, the best time to do it is just now. So first, let's get into it with Rachel Rudwall. Rachel Rudwall, welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. Thank you. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) So uh, this is the first ever Skype interview that I've done for the podcast. So thank you for being my guinea pig of sorts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm honored to have our audio quality tested in front of these millions. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's really fitting that you are the first. And you're a very hard person to nail down. You are traveling the world at all times. And so I felt like the only way that we could actually make this happen in the next like five years would probably be to just make it a Skype call. And then the second reason is because I really, I really believe in the face to face value, like that connection. But you and I go way back and, and we, I think we can pick up that connection without being face to face. So, uh, so thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we do go way back. We, so for the those of you listening, Katie and I were college roommates. And what's funny about it is, so we both met in small town, Ohio, going to college together. We met freshman year. We were in the same dorm. We lived together senior year. But our paths as career women continued to circle. So for the last, I don't mean to put an age on you here, <laughs> but for the last like decade, we have been running these parallel lives on first different coasts. You were in New York. I was in LA. Now you're in London, but we still managed to almost work together all the time. Just yeah. not quite. Right. And it was always really interesting to talk to you and hear what you were up to because there was such a clear parallel, but different. Like I would always learn something from what you were doing. So I was in network television in New York and you were in like television production cable side of things in LA and we always got to compare stories and it was great 
also the fun track where you've obviously made food your focus. It's your great love. And for me, it's travel and adventure travel a lot of the time. And if there's one thing that each of those paths shares, aside from the storytelling, it's that at the end of the day, you got to have a good meal. Truth, right? truth. So <laughs> we can totally always relate over the adventure of eating. Amen. Okay, so you are in LA right now. I'm mm-hmm. in London. We're talking across the ocean. We're making it happen. Typically, you are not at home in LA. You are, I mean, have you done like the math on how many days or what percentage of your year is spent traveling? You can just make it up. (laughs) (laughs) One million. It depends on on the year. Uh, there, There used to be years where I would be gone for almost the entire year. So for a while there, I put my stuff in a storage unit. I got myself a P.O. box and I was like, peace. And I'd go to Alaska for four months at at a time to one corner of the state and then the Arctic for another four to another corner of the country. And um, it was a lot more constant when I was first starting out. Whereas now, thankfully, I have the freedom to choose projects that don't take me away for as long because I'm married like you. And it's really nice actually hanging out with my husband. Yeah, it is. It is nice. So, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I don't think we've properly put a uh, percentage on it. I think it would be a daunting percentage, the amount of time I'm gone, at least in terms of weekends. I mean, it is so hard for me. I look at a calendar and I'm like, Oh, I haven't been home for like 12 weekends. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of doing a ton of projects really, really back to back when you were first starting, aside from the relationship bit of why it's good to be home more now, would you say that the reason you had more back to back things when you were first starting was because you said yes to everything because you were just starting? Yeah. So I said yes to everything because I was hungry, because I was excited and because I needed to pay the rent. When you are just starting any career path, especially one that's unconventional, that you're having to build, that has any uncertainty in it, like a freelancer or an entrepreneur, you say yes to everything, or you should, because everything is a learning experience. Everything is an opportunity for you to pay the bills. And for me, that was very much the case. And I started off as a producer and a camera operator on TV shows, docu-series for networks like Discovery Channel, History Channel, Nat Geo. And I was saying yes to every single project because I was really excited and because I didn't know when the next job was coming, right? There's no way to predict it. It's feast or famine some of the time. Now that I am on my own, I run my own small company, I work with a bunch of different clients, I have the opportunity to suss out what's worth the yes and what needs the no. And that is a journey getting to that place where a, you're okay saying no to things, and B, you recognize that sometimes you actually have to mm-hmm. for your health, for your relationships. Sometimes it's better or more empowered once you're established to not have to say yes. Yeah, I think that so much of what you just said is really important for people to hear, especially people just starting out. I think there's so much truth in in your path. Speaking of path, this is something that is really different for everyone. It varies so wildly. Rachel got into travel storytelling via a path that began fairly traditionally, working her way up in the media production world of LA. Whereas with Scott and Colette, theirs is one of a mid-career leap, a rather radical change. I met Scott and Colette a couple of years ago when we were put on a travel channel video series together and just hit it off immediately. And their story from the beginning was one that I found so intriguing and really inspiring. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, we started, wow, it's crazy to think about it. It seems like just yesterday, but it's been now almost four years, it's been like three and a half years since we decided to take the leap. Um, basically, Colette had uh, come home from work one day and actually listened to a different podcast um, by a very famous vagabonder who wrote the book, Vagabonding. Um, He was on there with Tim Ferriss and uh, Rolf Potts was the author and she was super motivated. She's like, I'm ready to go travel the world. 
And Colette and I had joked about doing that. And but I realized she was serious. And so, you know, we finished, we had our dinner, we, you know, talked a little bit about it over a glass of wine. Uh, and then fast forward a few days later, I listened to the same thing and I was ready to go. I was on board. And so, you know, it happened very quickly from when we both decided we wanted to do it to booking uh, or actually being on a flight. It was something around six weeks. Uh, and the initial thing was just to travel the world and to see the places that we always wanted to see. Because, you know, the analogy is that the stoplights in life are never all green. And so meaning that there's never a great time to take a risk like this. Um, the, you know, the best time to do it is just now. We were in a very good situation. And so we just said, let's do it. Let's travel for seven months. We'll come back uh, and then we will figure out, you know, we'll get either the same jobs or something very similar. Okay, and so get back on the career when path. you decided to take those seven months to do that, first of all, the fact that you had a time frame. So you were like, okay, seven months. But then you didn't necessarily think that it would turn into a career. You thought you might come back and pick up the nine to five work again. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we decided just to take kind of a grown up half gap year. People from around the world do this all the time, but it's not really accepted in America. You know, the idea of success is so different here. So we decided, why not take six to seven months and explore the world? What do we have to lose? I mean, if you think about it, 40 years from now, are we going to look back and regret that decision? No. We're probably going to regret sitting in the cubicle, doing the nine to five and not taking the risk. So at that point, we decided, let's just go out and explore the world together. Now, while we were out traveling, we started creating and telling stories because that's just who we naturally are and what we've always naturally done. And so we started to create a social media platforms and a blog to tell those stories and share with the world while we were also connecting with the world. So storytelling is a theme here. Can you tell? I think you really have to have a passion for storytelling if you want to get into this game. Here's how Colette and Scott took that mini gap year and how it prompted them to take the risk to turn this into a career. As our travels went along and and kind of our perspective on life had changed, you know, what we valued and the way that we looked at, you know, really honestly materialistic things had changed during the time that we traveled because we had been on the road for, you know, it ended up being 18 months before we made it back home. But the initial seven months, at the end of that seven months, you know, when you're living out of a backpack, you don't look at things the same way you used to. I mean, you look at stuff as it's got to be functional, it's got to be useful, uh, it's got to be reliable. And so all of a sudden we had kind of changed our value system. And so once we started living in such a minimal lifestyle, we realized that it lowered our risk in pursuing what our goals had now become. And so removing that risk from our mindset allowed us to then pursue something bigger and better and take the risk that we wanted to take. And I don't think that initially we thought this was going to turn into a business and our career, but it was our passion. I just didn't realize that this could be a career. Right. So they always say, you know, if you find something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I thought, yeah, who made that quote up? Like, <laughs> where does that exist in the world? I didn't know it could. And yeah, seven months into our trip, we said, let's just try this. What do we have to lose? And there were the thing that kind of inspired us was there were other people who were doing it. We realized, you know what? We're smart individuals. We can figure it out. Like, let's just start trying. And it was roughly... You know, I don't mean to fast forward too much, but it was about six months to seven months after that, that, you know, I say we were treading water. We were actually starting to earn a little bit of money that we could actually survive. And then it was from that point on that the business just started growing. I want to point out here that Instagram, Facebook, those things were a big thing at the time that they decided to give this a try full time. I mean, the term influencer had just become a thing. And that's proven to be pretty big in Scott and Colette's career and mine and like everyone else. I talked with Rachel about the way that social media has democratized the industry and offered career opportunities for her. For me, it was totally eye opening that all of a sudden anybody could have this beautiful platform to share stories through visuals in a way that was elegant and simple and democratized. So we've heard your path and that 
you know, obviously we're old enough that our paths to get where we are did not involve Instagram or Facebook or any really kind of social media in those early years. Um, you did have a YouTube channel in the early part of your career that did help you um, move on to some of the next things you did. But do you think that if we were just now graduating from college, would you still move to LA and dig into the production side of these docu-series and like work your way up like you did? Or would you say, no, 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 I don't need to do that anymore because there are platforms like Instagram. And do you think you would throw your whole self behind creating your own brand and platform on something like Instagram? That's a fascinating question that I've never even considered. I think I would have definitely been tempted by the notion that I could build my own path because of social media platforms. I could just go travel the world. I could work on an organic farm or at some adventure travel company in New Zealand or something like that and then start posting photos and hope it would take off. And Although I think I would be tempted by it if I were just graduating now, looking back at what I've experienced and learned from the traditional media, I think it would be the wrong path. Not that it couldn't work out, but I have become much better at what I do as a result of learning from others. Yeah. People people have been doing this for so much longer than we have. I mean, if we've been doing it for 20 years put together, right, 10 for you, 10 for me. And we have the opportunity to work under people as mentors who've each been doing it 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. We are learning from people who actually know how to tell a story, how to connect with an audience. They may have worked with forms of storytelling that are more old school, but the basis of good storytelling is the same and has been since the bards of old, mm. the people who gather by a fire with a harp and, you know, <laughs> a poem and every poem would be the tale of the times. Good storytelling has always been good storytelling. And I, I think that there's this easy out. It's really simple getting caught up in the notion of, well, I could just be famous if I have enough followers, or I could just be successful if I had, um, X number of likes on my stuff and wrapping yourself up with needing likes, needing follows that being the mission of the day in order to succeed and thrive really limits you. It ties a lot to what becomes your sense of self and your ego and your self-worth. And it also limits you from learning from professionals who've been telling stories, shooting photographs and building brands for a lot longer. When you mention like, you know, how some people define success for themselves and how that might be kind of misled in a lot of cases, how do you define success for yourself? I think it may vary depending on what age a person is, right? How they define success. But right now for me, doing work that I'm proud of and maintaining my integrity throughout the process, that for me is success. Of course, there are things that I want to achieve, specific goals that I have. And some of those goals have stayed the same since I got into this. But right now where I am, looking at the things that I've done and the things that are yet to come. There are so many voices telling us what we're all supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to achieve. And on the one hand, it looks like we have lots more opportunity now, like anybody can be anything they want. But on the other hand, we're still falling victim to everyone telling us what it's supposed to look like. Um, leave your job, become an Instagrammer, become a social influencer, whatever. All that stuff still looks a certain way. There's still a, a category into which you have to fit in order to succeed. And at the end of the day, you want to fall asleep feeling good about what you've done and who you are or who you're working to become. And no matter who you are, you've had challenging work experiences. And you have goals, whether they be personal or professional. I want to be able to be proud of the things that I do, of the ways that I treat people, 
and feel that I've maintained a true sense of myself on the things that I do. I love that your, um, that your definition of success is very much tied in with and gauged by your gut, right? So yeah. does this feel right? Does this feel okay? Am I, am I maintaining my integrity? Like these are all very introspective things. These are, these are not, um, these are not like, Oh, did I make the list of top 10, blah, 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 like whatever. There's always a top 10 list of something and it's not external. It's not about that. It's all you, you're turning the mirror around and it's all internal. And I, I dig that. I think we all have to do the deep work, right? We all we're the ones going to bed with ourselves at the end of the day. So we have the chance and the responsibility to examine where we are and whether it feels good or not. And we're often trained out of trusting our gut. My theory is if you go on gut and back it up with logic, it's a pretty good recipe, <laughs> right? So you can be like, I don't know, this feels really great. feels really exciting. And I can't really explain it. So then you make a list of things that you can use to justify to other people. Actually, this opportunity is going to help me train and learn X, Y, and Z things or whatever. Go on gut, back it up with logic. And some of the biggest opportunities that I've ever been offered felt bad, yeah. felt bad in the pit of my stomach. I got this big offer to produce a show one time and I got the offer and it was going to be the most money I'd ever made. It was going to be the most consistent work I'd ever had. And I got the offer and I burst into tears and Todd, my husband looked at me and he goes, those don't look like good tears. What's going on? He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, this feels wrong. It just feels really bad. I didn't expect this. So did you say yes or no to it? And I said, no. And what I did after that was I faced this really tricky crossroads where I had worked incredibly hard to get an offer like that. But I also wanted to start transitioning to creating my own path, telling different stories and not working for big production companies and not going into the field for six months at a time. I wanted to start doing something different. And because I said no, I realized that I had to say yes to pursuing the things that really scared me in a good way. So now I want to bring up the idealized lifestyle that all of these people lead. I mean, it is very much a quote unquote dream job. So last year in 2018, I'd say about 90% of our travel was dictated by other people. Yeah. So that was projects coming to us. And we just said yes to everything. And that's a lot of travel though. And that's a lot of travel for other people. So we are kind of focusing, refocusing this year and saying, Hey, we love to travel. Let's get back to traveling. Like we have now I'm grateful for the, all the opportunities that happened in 2018. That's a beautiful thing, but let's also not forget about us and about the reason why we started this in the first place. So Oman is something that's on us. When we just went to Mexico, it was on us and we need to be able to carve out that time, uh, just to, for the pure love of travel. Cause we don't want to forget that. That's exact. I was going to say the exact same thing is that we, <laughs> we really kind of, I give the analogies that we jumped in the water we learned how to swim. We took off swimming. And then this past year, all of a sudden, it was like, why are we swimming this hard? Where are we going? Mm. And so we kind of we wanted to take some time to figure out, like, what is what are the next steps? Like, why did we really start this? Because I feel like we got lost. Uh, and there's a lot of people who jump into creative passions and businesses. They they have this similar story uh, where they they kind of they've lost the fun part of it. So like we said, that Mexico trip was just like, we're going to have fun. We're just going to relax and do what we want to do. We're not going to have anyone tell us what to do. Uh, Oman will be the same thing, you know? And then the other thing is that we're looking as we partner with brands and, and businesses is to keep that, keep our core morals strong and, and keep our moral compass to guide us and tell stories that we want to tell in partnership versus just telling someone else's story. Hmm. Yeah, so it's we're very excited for this year. There's a lot of stuff that's on the horizon, and um, I think it'll be a great, great year for us. Yeah, yeah we want to keep adapting. I mean, that's the main thing, right? Like we don't want to become stagnant. We could do what we were doing last year and make a good living, and it could look fine on paper. But we don't want that. We didn't start this lifestyle to just be 
okay or normal. We want to grow and progress as people. So we're just trying to ask ourselves the right questions, the same questions that we asked ourselves three and a half years ago that started this whole thing. And it's kind of funny that it comes full circle and it it still happens in life. It's not like one decision then dictates the rest of your life. You have to keep asking these questions if you want to keep growing. I love that. And, and just kind of Scott, what you had referenced, but like the macro of that is that I think every creative, every creative person or every creative endeavor, um, this, this happens and you reach a point where you have to ask yourself those questions. So did you go about it in a really purposeful way? Like almost like, okay, it's a new year. Let's sit down and reevaluate what we're doing and reevaluate and kind of come up with a mission statement. I mean, was it really organized kind of like that? It, it was and it wasn't. So we, we were, you know, nearly burnt out towards the end of last year. Uh, we were on the road at some points, like 90% of the time. Wow. And so we we said, you know what, December and January are going to be slow times, which they still, we were on the road 50% of the time. Uh, but, but for yeah. us to be home for a week straight or maybe even like 10 days straight was a big accomplishment. At the time, we were only home for two or three days. So really – and people who are hearing this who probably have nine to five jobs are going, oh, it must be so hard. But, um, you know, imagine the times you come back from a vacation and you put your suitcase down and there's the people who unpack it right away. And there's the people who let it sit there until their next vacation or until they need to get the clothes out for laundry. And that's like imagine coming back every day, having to unpack, do the laundry, repack for the trip. It's just kind of it's a lot of stress that added to us. And so having downtime where we can recoup, we can process the content. Uh, I mean, that's been very grateful. From the mission statement, yeah, we've actually, it hasn't been super organized, but we just had this time to kind of give a space to really figure it out, to ask the questions. And it's not that we're ever going to have a clear 100% defined answer. Um, I mean, it's no longer so nebulous. It's actually a little bit more of, we want to take steps in this direction. And We'll make decisions based on that moral compass. And then as we get further down the road, we'll kind of, I think, go back and recheck and make sure that we're still doing what we want to and not getting too caught up. But if anyone Googles you guys, they'll see a ton of coverage, like blogs, websites have written about you guys, Q&As, that kind of thing about living the dream, right? That you, you two have gone and lived the dream. And it is awesome. And it is so inspirational. And it is one reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, but I'd like to go a step beyond that. And because you are inspiring people to, you know, quit the J jobs, do their thing. Not that you are directly encouraging them, but inspiring them to take the leap. Do you feel any like responsibility in that? Because it is a hard thing to make work. There's so much hustle. And, and you guys have, as we just heard a snippet of, you've gone about it very strategically, very smartly. Um, and I just wonder if you have any responsibility in other people taking a leap and it may be not working out. I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not necessarily about taking a leap of quitting your jobs and pursuing what we're doing. You know, maybe it's the, the leap of faith of, you know, actually booking that trip. You know, taking time out of work and you too often, whatever it is, if it's a big decision or small decision, maybe it's a, a road trip with friends that you keep trying to say, oh, we'll do it next month. We'll do it next time. Uh, and just sometimes being like, you know what, now is the time we're going to do that. So it's as much as we say we're trying to inspire people to pursue their dreams, everyone's dream is going to be different. Ours is different from yours and and our neighbors. And so it's it's just kind of getting out of you know, I hate to use the term, but getting out of that rat race and actually, you know, taking a risk. And like Colette gives the analogy, like maybe it's asking that person out on a date or saying I love you for the first time. Those can all be big risks in that person's life. And I don't know. I mean, we had a great example of of people we met on the road. They stepped up. We were in Aruba and they came up to us and they said, you're the reason we're here. And First, we said, hi, my name's Scott, and I'm Clinton. It was a little awkward at first, but they said, you're the reason why we booked a trip here. 
And our jaws kind of hit the floor and said, what do you mean? They said, well, we watched your video on YouTube and we said, this looks amazing. We're so glad we did it. We just want to, you know, come say hi and say thank you. And that was so impactful to us to realize that we were actually having an effect on people's lives. And that's the kind of risk and, and that we're trying to motivate people to do if it is to take a vacation or whatever it might be. So I feel like I'm kind of rambling on a little bit, but no, I think the beautiful thing with the Aruba example is that it was at a vow renewal ceremony and we ended up meeting eight people who were there because they watched our video on YouTube. And so it's crazy, right? So it's not only that we've inspired people to travel, but I think the beautiful thing as a couple is our own love story inspired others to reconnect and renew their vows. And so on a deeper level, you know, there was that inspiration to travel, but there's that inspiration to love too. Wow. And you know, so you, you bring up another interesting point, which is that the one thing that really differentiates you guys and your content is that you are a couple, that you are husband and wife traveling the world, doing these things, running this business. Gosh, yeah, it's a whole nother thing traveling with a partner. Um, can you talk about some of the nitty gritty, like highs, lows of, of that dynamic? I mean, there's <laughs> always an unfortunate event that's going to happen. And it can be from a delayed flight to, you know, bad food and belly issues. <laughs> that happens. That happens to everyone. <laughs> so you just kind of have to be prepared and understanding with each other, uh, you know, because if you're by yourself, you just, you're upset at the airline um, <laughs> because of the flight's delayed. But if you're stuck on a plane for whatever reason, starving, hungry, thirsty, hot, sweaty, smelly, <laughs> uh, and you're looking at each other and you just sometimes have to laugh it off. And other times you just pull out your computer or your iPad and you just jump into the video or read a book and just kind of go into your own space. So the one tips we always give is, Make sure you have snacks. I think that's one thing. Uh, no one likes the hangry travel buddy. <laughs> true. And the you know the other thing is um, pack some Pepto because when you're traveling <laughs> around the world, you're going to have a few belly issues along the way. But I think the main ingredient for couples traveling together is a sense of humor because stuff's going to happen on the road. I mean, travel's such a beautiful metaphor for life in so many ways, and you know, bleep's going to happen. So you just have to roll with the punches and be able to laugh it off with each other. And in the end, you're going to have these memories together. And that's what you want. Thank you for self-editing, by the way. That saves me some work in the edit. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's a it's a great uh, kind of life, life takeaway from that. Okay, so when we talk about the fact that you guys travel the world, have traveled the world, you know, and will continue to, let's put a number on that. You guys have been to... Over 70 countries, is that right? Did I read that? So to be exact, I've been to around 60, I think. And then Colette has been to been 70. to 77, I believe. Wow. Okay. So how much of that is Romaru's staking ground? Well, I would say 95%, really. Oh, well... Because you've gone back to those same countries. Yeah, I had traveled a lot prior to Romaru. Um, so I'd say I had been to around about 40 countries prior to starting our business. And then we revisited a lot of countries. That's something that we love to do. It's just like you find something new every single time, even in a familiar place. Um, but there is that that part of you that also wants to explore a new country and, and yeah. add another number. Right. I, it's, yeah. It's that's, it's like the, I mean, Connor and I, you know, wrestle with this all the time because we're like, Oh, that was so great. And Oh, we want to go back, but there are all these other places that we haven't been. How do you guys decide where to go? Oh, it's, it's I mean, we just, we just had a, a long weekend and it was just to like an amazing resort in Mexico. And you know, that's, Mexico is amazing, but when you're looking at maybe trying to add a new country, it's not that glamorous and, and when you're trying to balance those two things. But it's really – I think it's a balance of the two. It's sometimes we just want to – we maybe we just need some time to relax and recharge, and so we'll do something that is guaranteed and safe. 
And then at other times we're feeling a little risky and it's, we decide to like, we're going to plan a trip to Oman this year wow. and that's going to be a big trip, but it's also going to be a lot of unknown. So it's just going to, it'll be a different experience for the two of us because it's going to be probably stressful at times when we don't know exactly how to get around or what to expect or what, what food, but it's also going to be uh, probably more rewarding too. Right. So it's not always easy. Let's hear about Rachel's experience about living the dream. I think we have this modern mentality in the U.S. that everything's supposed to be glitter and unicorns all the time. And the reality is no path is going to be like that. When you love something, when you're building something, it's going to be hard as hell. But you love it so much, it's worth the giving. Yeah. And there were moments where, yeah, I didn't feel like this is my perfect job. I felt more like this is a step in the right direction. This is going to take all I've got to give. And it's not what I'd envisioned for myself as the perfect job. But hey, I'm still young. And if it gets me more knowledge, if it creates more relationships or new opportunities that are in the right direction, then that's good. And so I feel like I've sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like there's a really fine line between following your gut, right? And like what feels yeah. good and what feels bad, but then also like not the perfect opportunity, but also not a bad opportunity, right? So that line can yeah. be blurred really easily where you go, oh, it's not perfect, but I should still take it. But does this not feel right because of a legitimate gut reason or because of an ego reason or because of a, you know, blank, blank, blank reasons. And sometimes we don't know in the moment. It's like you bring up the point of ego. It's great because like sometimes our mind and our gut, we don't know which is which. We're like, am I, is is that truly instinct talking to me? Does it really feel bad or good? Or is that just my brain trying to rationalize something? And we don't always know in the moment. I think that is an opportunity for us to talk to the people around us and get additional insight because we're not going to have all the answers and neither will the people around us, but they know who we are deep down. Our true allies, our friends, our partners, our parents, if we talk to them and get a series of insights, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what this opportunity is. You'll hear certain themes and you can kind of create a next step based on what your brain voice and what your heart voice are saying, in addition to what people who really know you are saying. doesn't mean you have to listen to every single one of them, right? Some might say, take the job. Others might say, that's not the right job for you. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. But listen for the themes. Hey, you've always said you wanted to do something like this. It might not look exactly like what you've dreamt up, but you have talked about this for a really long time. Maybe it's the next step. Or someone saying, this feels like it's really off brand, not brand like your Instagram handle brand, like not you at all brand. This seems like something where you're going to get roped in and be in it for a long time and not be happy with the work you're creating. Stuff like that can bubble to the surface when you're willing, A, to do that deep work and look inside and B, Talk to the people that you love because they will tell you with respect what they see you doing or feeling down the road. I want to know if you ever get sick of travel and not sick of travel, but just tired and like, I just really don't want to get on another plane right now. I do get tired. I think to myself, I wish I were in a place where I knew how to work the shower. (laughs) There's nothing that will make you feel dumber than a shower (laughs) that you cannot figure out. You're like, why can't I turn on the hot and the cold at the same time? It's so infuriating. And that's when sometimes you feel the furthest from home. It's not necessarily in the moment where you don't understand the language or it's a food you haven't eaten. It's like, this still isn't my bed that I'm sleeping in. Like I'm still waking up in a time zone confused. Like what is this room? And then realizing that I'm not here with the people that matter to me. So I love what I do. I don't get so tired that I'm like, I want to stop doing that. 
but the tired leads me to making different decisions going, I'm not going to say yes to every project and every flight and every potentially exciting destination. Cause I need some time where I'm not moving. You are a pro at, um, forming relationships with brands mm. and re- and like really naturally and organically shouting them out or working them into what you do anyway. Um, and you, you're a brand ambassador for, um, for, uh, Athleta. I've worked with Athleta, Olympus cameras. I love, I've worked with Cliff Bar. I'm an ambassador for a magazine called Afar. I do a lot of different brand partnerships if they feel true to what I'm already doing. Sometimes the brands will reach out to me. Hey, we found your work. We think that you'd be a really good fit for what we're doing. Olympus is a good example. They're like, we don't know if you shoot mirrorless, which is the new type of camera that is a lot lighter weight than a traditional DSLR, like a Canon or a Nikon or whatever. And Fuji and Sony are mirrorless. If you have any friends using those these days, they're like, Hey, we don't know if you shoot mirrorless. We'd love to have you come test our gear in the field in Whistler, Canada. Um, and I, I tested their gear and was like, Oh man, I am going to switch from a DSLR right about now. It was lightweight. It was rugged. It was waterproof. It had this incredible internal stabilization, which means that for you shooting video, it's really smooth shots. Or if you want to shoot night photography, you can do a long exposure. So multiple seconds where the shutter's open, handheld, so no tripod, and get no blur on the night sky, which is unheard of. Like, because humans move. It's <laughs> like you could try to shoot the stars handheld and it's just really blurry because you're still breathing. Duh. But the stabilization inside this camera was such that I was like, oh man, this is going to cut out a lot of the gear that I have to carry. So sometimes the brands will reach out to me and sometimes I reach out to them. I'm like, Athleta, I wear virtually only your clothing. We should team up because I'm out in the world wearing every single thing that you've made this year. So that's what I was curious about, like how much of the time you pitch yourself and, and then I know that they come to you too, but like, how do you, how do you pitch yourself to a brand and like, Hey, I want to be a brand ambassador. And like, (laughs) I'll say to people. So if there's a brand I don't have a relationship with, if I haven't met them in person at some event or they haven't found my work, I'll be like, Hey, I use all of your stuff already. I've been using it for a year or five years. I've been wearing your clothing for my whole life, whatever it is. And I would really love to find ways to work together. So let me know if you need any media created, here's what I do. And in approaching it, like you might have needs X brand. Um, I hope to help you solve them. It does leave it as open as it could be. So if they're like, yeah, we need stock photography. Yeah, we need video assets or yeah, we need a new brand ambassador or we have an Instagram campaign going, whatever. They can see whether there's a fit and I'll send them links to my work and I'll either hear back or I won't. But if I'm reaching out like that, I want to let people know that what I can help them do is multifaceted if they happen to have any needs. Right. And And how can I be of service for you? Yeah. I'm never like, send me swag. (laughs) Send me your stuff. Yeah. But sometimes I'll be like, Hey, I've heard about your lenses online. They look absolutely incredible. I'm thinking of a particular company that makes lenses for smartphones. They look like beautiful glass. Why does the glass matter? If you're not a photographer, it usually doesn't matter that much, but a really good image isn't just about the photographer or the camera. It's actually the quality of the glass. So if you can put good glass on your smartphone and get an incredible portrait, you're going to be pretty stoked about it because then you don't have to buy the big body camera, right? So I might email and say, I've heard your glass is incredible. I learned about it through my friend's social media. I would love to try it. Do you have any media needs? Are you looking for any partners? And um, sometimes people are like, hey, we don't have any campaigns coming up or hey, we don't have any gear we can send or whatever. That's fine. But I do want to make myself available 
in as many ways as possible. And, um, you know, sometimes people will say, Hey, we don't have any partnerships coming up, but we could send you something to test. Cool. That's great too. Um, and in theory, that's a good way for me to start using the gear so much that I'm going to post about it anyway. Yeah. For people out there listening, Rachel basically just gave you a script. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can use that and then uh, write her a thank you note. So. Yeah. Yeah. And any extra goodies that you get. It's this, <laughs> it's this thing that like people sometimes take for granted where the best way to start a conversation is never, hey, how can you help me? Like, when do you ever walk up to a stranger and, and say like, hey, you're going to need to give me that really good looking thing you've worked so hard to achieve? <laughs> that is super solid. Advice. Hey, hey, the <laughs> guy with the box, can you help me carry this real quick? <laughs> do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yes. Yes, because I run my own business. I start a lot of collaborations and relationships and things like that. It's not the Silicon Valley entrepreneur sense where I'm like, I've got this new startup. I'm going to need seed fundings. Is mm. that a thing? Seed seed money. I don't even see. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so yes, absolutely. I'm an individual business person and am creating a lot of new contracts and a lot of new collaborations at all times. Um, but I think that there are a lot of different spaces that we can inhabit as entrepreneurs. And so for me, it's not about creating hardware or software or a physical product like stationary. It is instead about creating media assets and helping people to tell their stories better as a small LLC, yeah. so limited liability corporation. Yep, yep. I love that you do consider yourself an entrepreneur because I would consider you an entrepreneur. And and I see, and I think you're right in that, like, there are... <laughs> Rachel's doing a dance right now. <laughs> I wish you all Too bad this it. isn't a video. <laughs> but I, I'm glad that that's what you would call yourself because, and yeah, there are different definitions for it. But I mean, I consider myself an entrepreneur. And I think that it gives us ownership over what we're doing and what we're building. Yep. And each one of us spent years helping other people build what they're building. We learned from professionals. We worked at large companies and then set out on our own paths. And I think that anybody who is setting out on a path to create something different, a new take on the world, a new product for the world, then yes, falls under that category. And I think that it's also easy being a solo entrepreneur, like both of us are, um, it can be a little isolating and it can get a little bit lonely. How do you fight that? I am trying to be better about reminding myself to get out of my home office and go on walks, but I cannot say that I'm always good at it. For me, getting out of, when I'm home, getting out of my home office and going to work out is really important so that there's space to socialize in person, to get out any pent up energy, stuff like that, to hop on calls or go to meetings can help as well. Um, but I think each individual who's working at his or her own company is going to have to find a way that works for them to not feel like they're in a dungeon, just working by themselves and withering away without the sunlight. Um, <laughs> but it is kind of nice, like not having to wear pants every day. Uh, amen. <laughs> so what you just described then of how you, you know, ways that you can not feel as isolated in what you're doing, um, that is a, typical response to my final question of how do you keep it quirky but Rachel because you just gave us that explanation and because we are friendies from way back when <laughs> what I would like to know about how you keep it quirky is what is the thing that no one knows about you of how you let your hair down of how you remind <laughs> yourself to not take life too seriously interesting so a lot of people do know about me that I act like goofball all the time. I'm pretty good at keeping it quirky in my interpersonal relationships. Truth, One truth. thing you might not know is like I will get down with dance moves at the grocery store. <laughs> so 
So for example, there's this great grocery called Sprouts. Um, it's like a Trader Joe's, but bigger. And they play some soulful jams. And I will dance right down that aisle. I don't care who's watching. Other people sometimes start to dance. Sometimes you round a corner and someone else is already dancing. The songs are so good. I will do the thing where you pretend you're on the stairs and you like walk down the stairs and you just lower yourself to the ground <laughs> like, like an embarrassing monster who doesn't understand social norms. And kind of like, who cares? I'm having a nice time. If people are laughing at me, that's cool. How do we keep it quirky? I mean, <laughs> there's so many ways that we do. <laughs> I, I don't I, I think that, you know, I, I feel like we didn't keep it quirky for a little bit and we weren't true to ourselves. And then, you know, just as we we really kind of refound ourselves when we went on our trip to Mexico and all we did is just, you know, Instagram stories of us enjoying each other, enjoying the spot, like telling it exactly how it was. And, you know, it was raw. It wasn't filtered and stuff wasn't perfect. And that was like the times where we we're having the most fun. And that's when we actually had most interaction. Like people were responding and sending messages and like, Oh my God, tell us more. And, and so that's, we weren't keeping it quirky and now we are keeping it. Quirky. Yeah. I think not taking ourselves too seriously. You know, we were type a, we're both type a focused people and then got to relax sometimes. So I think being able to show our quirky, weird, fun, unfiltered side is something that we're, we're doing more of now. So now we're keeping it quirky. I, I'm glad. I think that the world should definitely see all of your weird sides because that's part of <laughs> why I love you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the Keep It Quirky podcast. Thank you for having us. We love you, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Bye. Rachel, I feel like I could talk with you forever for this podcast episode. <laughs> but your audience will be tuning out if we do. <laughs> exactly. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you in front of millions. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rachel. You know, in this world of being a creator, of being an entrepreneur in this kind of industry, I think it is so important to have a community and to have people that you can talk to about these things that maybe other friends who are in a different line of work don't necessarily understand. So I am all the more grateful to have people like Rachel Scott and Colette in my life. Big hearts, big hugs all around this episode has made my heart really full. And I hope that you've been able to learn from their experience. Thank you so much to Rachel, Scott, Colette. I love all of you so much. Everyone go out and check them out. Instagram at Rachel Romes at Romaru. Same things on Twitter and I'm including other links in the show notes. So check that out. Thanks so much for listening this week. And as always, thank you Funky Brian for the theme song. I will see you all back here next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep it quirky. Quirky.